this playing the game part, I just find it so fascinating to me because, and you just hinted at it there, there are two very distinct um, forces pulling at the people trying to play the game, right? The one is, okay, how do we, how do we do this? How do we allocate our capital given the central bank environment, given the politics environment, given all the things that are going on now? And right now, you can't not focus on a single one of them. You've got to focus on all of them, which makes it much more complex. But then there's that second component, the Keynes Beauty Contest component, yeah. right? How's everybody else going to take this news? And and the bizarre thing to me has been over these last three or four years, the the predicted reaction function of market players to the conditions you would think would never be more predictable than it is now because things are happening that are very big and almost compel um, you to take a certain kind of action. And yet it feels like the markets have never reacted um, less predictably in the face of really big things. How, how, do, how do you guys weigh all that up? I think, again, from first principles, there's a lot of, I was, what's the right word for it? It's probably like, it's kind of accepted common knowledge things that people think are reasonable, but they might not be axiomatically fundamentally right, true okay. in lots of areas of investing. So for example, like very early on in my career, I remember asking my boss about price to sales. And, and I learned this from Demodron's valuation course where price to sales is technically incorrect as an indicator because sales applies to the entire enterprise, like yep. debt and equity, but prices, equity prices, right? So it should be EV to sales as okay. an example, yep. but lots of people use price to sales. And so in this positioning, as well, there's lots of assumptions for why things should mean revert, and they're approximately true, but maybe they're not axiomatically true. So, for example, you know, value investors will say, okay, a cheap stock, I buy this at two times PE, then clearly it's cheap, it's going to go up. But what makes it go up? Either it has to re-rate, which means somebody else has got to come yep. and buy it, so you've got to track it, or the company needs to make cash flow, buy the shares back, and force the valuation gap closure. Yep. So, you know, the complaint about, so this is one of my discussions on say Chinese ADRs, right? Where people are like, it's really cheap, but if it's genuinely a Chinese company, the money is in China, they can't get it out to buy the ADR and close your valuation gap, yeah. then you actually don't have that piece and all you're left with is, you know, as a very crude example. So- Yeah, as we used to say, they're cheap for a reason. We yeah. used to sell the trading desk, yeah, yeah. So, so what's the equivalent when we think about positioning and market price action? And I think from first principles, the most clear one is when you want to be aware when market participants are acting for reasons other than economic. Right. So when so there's lots of mechanisms in the market that create forced buying and selling that's got absolutely nothing to do with their view on the underlying, right? So obviously the macro deleveraging is a good example, but a lot of times it's risk management, right? You break through certain you know levels and, and, yeah. and things like that. So that's kind of more we're trying to look for. So so for example, one of our I think very unique, and I think we put a ton of resources into it in terms of market timing, uh, mean reversion indicators as well is LPPL, which is um, log periodic power laws. Yes. And so what that's essentially trying to do is it's trying to pick up on a particular pattern of behavior markets that you only see in these forced stop loss moments. So again, from when you think intuitively, let's say you're long something you and it's going against you, your response so, and the market obviously moves in waves, right? So for each wave down, you'll get more and more desperate yes. on your losses. And so what, what you end up observing in the price action is that the oscillations speed up yep. and the magnitude gets bigger. Yep. So for every cycle, you get a bigger move at a faster pace. So obviously the whole point is to quantify that and pick up on this inherent oscillation 
And then that gives you a better sense to focus and be like, okay, this, this is probably a more forced behavior, a feedback loop behavior rather than a bog standard, people don't like it. Okay. And this is kind of the, the edge you have over doing like a standard technical analysis of just going, okay, this is going to 52 week lows or you fit simple parabola shapes of crashes. Yep. By having that inherent oscillation and imposing conditions on this oscillation speeding up, you can pick up on kind of what, what it's actually like when, you know, when, when you're sat on the trading floor or whatever, yeah. your risk management is like, you got to cut this. You're like, I really believe in this. I'm only going to cut a little bit. And it keeps going against you because everybody else has a trade on. Yeah. And then eventually it's just like, you know, risk management is like, no, cut. Whatever the price, if you don't cut, we're going to cut it for you. Yep. And then they just dump it in the market. 